Matthew Boyle, the greatest hero of them all. That's what they call me. I hear you go by the Caped Crusader sometimes. I do, I do, when I'm I'm uh, saving the world, which I do occasionally, every now and again. I hate to break this to you, Tom. Uh, you're not actually wearing a cape. Oh, damn. Where, where's my cape? Hang on, I just uh, I better go and get it. No, while we're you, let's podcast. It's Tom and Matt Attack. I don't. I, I I do have a cape actually. Uh, really? It's a little small for me now. I used to use it to dress up as a child, but. Uh, okay, uh, so it's more. Uh, I don't know what you would call that. A, a cowl, I guess. If, now, if you turn it round the other way, it's more like a bib. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> are you are you regularly eating with it on then, or are you, is it just for show? No, thankfully now I'm I'm older. I can uh, eat my food without making too much mess. Well, that's good. I can't. How are you, Thomas? <laughs> Very well, thank you. A bit exhausted from saving the world, but, uh, you know, I'm managing. It's late nights for us superheroes. Yeah, exactly. Fortunately, being dubbed the greatest hero of them all doesn't actually require any superhero work on my part. In fact, any effort whatsoever, it just comes naturally, it you're, seems. You're just a superhero of podcasting, Matthew. I just got a letter through the post one day and it said, Matthew Boyle, the greatest hero of them all. I was like, okay, cool, I'll put that in a frame, I guess. So I haven't got around to it. <laughs> Can you tell me, Matthew, what that's from? Because I can't remember. That is Action Man's jingle from Action the television. Man. Yeah. The greatest hero of them all from the adverts. I guess yeah. that would be G.I. Joe in America, but... doesn't have the that... same ring to it, does it? No, it doesn't. But mm. the... No, because their thing was G.I. Joe. Anyway, we've gone off on a tangent. <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> that's nearly operatic. G.I. Joe. So how are you doing, Matt? You well? I'm good, as you can tell by my my bouncing baritone of a voice. Yeah, I, oh, I love that bouncing baritone. Uh, sounds good. Alliteration. Uh, your face is basked in sunlight. Basked. Basked. It is. It's what which I was is rather to odd, um, because it was snowing earlier here. So. <laughs> really? But, wow. Yeah, uh, you know. Was... Denmark, eh? Uh, that's the wonders of, uh, I believe, climate change rather than Denmark. But there we go. Yeah. Um, it's been yeah, it was... just fine here in the UK. That must be nice to have dependable weather. Um, I saw a gif well, the other day that was just like, hey, uh, getting ready for summer in Denmark. And then it was a person wearing like an Eskimos jacket and a bathing suit. And then they were wearing <laughs> like a fully just like covered in scarves and mittens. And then they were wearing shorts. And that's pretty much how it feels like. Well, you never know. You never know in the land of the Denmark. Exactly, in the land of the exported bacon, you you never know. <laughs> what about video games? We haven't even mentioned them yet. We have not, and we're like two minutes into the podcast. What a shame. Oh, well, I guess we've not played any, but we have, Tom. We have. <laughs> we um, have. In fact, uh, today, I'd say mostly, well, at least two hours I've spent playing video games. That's pretty good. I've played bugger all for most of the week, and then I managed to slip in like half an hour today. Mm. Um. Right then, Tom Parry, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you through my woes of Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. I think is probably the best place to start. Okay, so sit down, make yourself comfortable, and Matt's gonna exactly. tell a little bit of a story. 
not as grand as your 32x story from last week, but it, uh. it is what it is. As I said on Twitter, that editing that podcast last week was an absolute joy because I I laughed my ass off at that well, story. <laughs> did you notice some of the uh, fiddly bits near the end? No, I didn't. Well, you say, can you say that again? Your mic did cut you, out. Did there's I really? About, there's about three occasions Oops. near the end. So I we'll was... address that to our audience. <laughs> yeah, Matt Tom's did have mic... a tough job. I gave him a very tough job. So, um, that's the wonders of podcasting. Unfortunately, I was editing that at like one o'clock in the morning because it was taking a while. I think so... all things considered, it's it's still uh, solid and very listenable. Good. Your 32x story is the important bit because there were some particularly tricky edits around there where I had to like splice in you saying other bits, which hopefully you didn't even notice. There was one noticeable bit, but otherwise, well done. Ah, see, I seek perfection. It doesn't happen. Anyways, right. So Sekiro, Tom Parry, as I promised on last week's podcast, um, yeah. other than saying, can you say that again? I said I would talk more in detail about it this week. Unfortunately, I've decided, much like I have with Bloodborne in the past and Dark Souls previously to that, I've decided, okay, I'm not going to commit my time to Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Mm. It's not Which for is you, sad. Matt Boyle, is it? I, not for I, you. I, genuinely like that game i genuinely think it is a very well made game and much like i did with bloodborne i absolutely bloody love the atmosphere however i i just can't come to terms with it and admittedly some of that was through my own lack of skill with the game a lot of it though was to do with how bloody obtuse everything is yeah so i i'd hate it i think i'd really hate it already you've hardly begun to explain it but... <laughs> right, so it is. It is a game from From Software, uh, as everyone knows. The games from From Software are particularly hard. That I knew going in, and I was like, okay, I quite liked Tenchu. I quite like this era of Japanese history that this game is drawing upon. I think I will really like this game. Hmm. However, um, there are just some things about it that just rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, for for starters. The environment can damage you very, very easily, which is not really that great uh, for a game like this. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, there's an area I'm in now where there are lots of flames. If you as so much as brush against the flames while you're trying to stealth around, you'll catch fire and like lose half your health. The caveat to this is you've got a little like refillable flask thing like you would in Dark Souls. However... If you go back to a bonfire and rest, all of the enemies respawn. So one little misstep on your part really damages you and really like punishes you for doing that, which is really frustrating, especially seeing as last night. I felt I was on a bit of a roll. I'd got the combat bag under my skin. I'd got all my counters and stuff down. And then I accidentally brushed up against a flame before I fought a boss. And I was like, well, I'm going to die against this boss now because this is a very hard encounter. Mm. And so I was like... I just can't be arsed with this. And so much so that I actually took to Twitter and said, you know what, I'm kind of done with modern gaming. This is not for me anymore. Like, it, it really frustrated me to the point of that, where it was just... either, either It's trying to be, be so me. realistic, isn't it? I think this is always what the Dark Souls games have tried to, to be, to put you in a, a position where perhaps your weapon's too big to swing in the corridor you're in or whatever. It, yeah. These levels of trying to be realistic, I assume, can create some rather frustrating gameplay. Well, see, the thing is, right, it's a stealth game. Hmm. And then the game doesn't necessarily ab- 
obey some of its own rules. Like uh-huh. I, I've hidden around a corner, and there's no way an enemy should be able to see me because I can't see them, and yet they do. And I'm like, okay. And then there's been some instances where I've even hidden around a corner waiting for the the enemy to like die down, and they will still be able to see me through the scenery and still be able to shoot arrows at me. And I'm like, well, no, if this game's not obeying its own principles, then I really don't want to know about it. No. I'd got past a lot of that, and I'd started to get quite good at the game. And then I started listening to podcasts and started seeing people doing uh, a a rather key move in this game called the Makiri counter, which is essentially, much like Dark Souls or whatever, you have uh, the ability to roll away on circle as a dodge mechanic. You're not hmm. supposed to really do that that much. You're mostly supposed to hold L1 to like be in defensive mode, take a few blows from people, and then when the opportunity comes, you're supposed to strike. So you're supposed to like hold L1, learn their moves, then they'll swing at you again. You time your press of L1 based on their reaction to parry, and then you can take a slice of them. It's very much like a a, a real Japanese like samurai or shinobi film. It, it's very much like a Kurosawa film in that regard, is that it's supposed to be about the exchanging of blows, which I absolutely think is a really cool thing. So it's a bit like uh, Bushido Blade? Or... Yes, very much yeah. like Bushido Blade, actually, more than I expected. Mm. So you've got that bit of it. But then once you're doing that, like certain attacks, a large red kanji will appear on the screen to essentially say, hey, this this character is about to do a move that you cannot parry. So what that generally means is they're going to stab you and you can't do anything but dodge out of the way and it's going to hurt you. Yeah. So the frustrating thing with that is you're like, right, okay, so I need to roll away. But then if the enemy is only doing those, you're like, what am I missing here? How can I how can I potentially hit this person? Because the combat is so slow and concise that if you roll away and they lunge, by the time you get back on your feet and can swing at them, you won't be able to do so. And so I was like, mm. right, okay, what am I missing here? So I looked online and it was like, oh, it's a Makiri counter. And I was like, what the fuck is a Makiri counter? The game hasn't taught me this. Turns out, in me trying to progress through the game, as you would expect... Me not going back to one of the starting areas and talking to a person like later in the game didn't unlock the ability to unlock the the XP, essentially. Yeah. So by talking to this person, I unlocked a skill tree, which I could then mm. use my XP in. Hang on, so you, if you miss that action, you miss a huge chunk of the actual game uh, in terms of... Uh actually part of the game the skill tree uh, i would have thought would have been integral yes a somewhat essential skill of being yeah. able to combat and counter these unblockable moves is actually unlocked behind a skill tree that the game doesn't naturally progress you to find you have to talk to a character to unlock it and so i was like oh really are you are like you really going to throw this on me a game testing problem there because if you test a game and you, other people don't necessarily talk to this guy yeah. they must have known but they must I have mean, decided to keep it in there for the sake of what difficulty I but guess that so. does punishing I'm... those who perhaps you know to just be honest miss with something. you though the thing is right you talking to this guy essentially means that you've died so by me being slightly better than the game that i probably should have been mm. by like learning how to attack through rolling away rather oh my than gosh. just what a mess attacking 
I'd lost the skill tree, and so I was just dying against the boss. I was like, how the hell am I supposed to kill this thing? And I looked online, and they said, use Makiri counter. And I was like, again, yeah, what yeah, is yeah. that? It's really frustrating. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, really? Okay, so this is the expectation of this game. Bugger this. I'm not I'm not going to commit to learning something. I need to find out that the game yeah. is trying to purposely obscure stuff. It sounds like me. it's fighting against you, you know? Yes, it, it very much feels like that to play it as well. And it's just a shame, because... A lot of the areas, right, it's a stealth action game. However, the enemies are so astute to where you are that I find it really hard to be stealthy. And so there's been chances where I've been on a roof and so no one should be able to see me, and yet enemies are somewhat aware of me. Mm. And I'm like, is it because I'm making noise? Is why So it's not a very good stealth game? No, I don't think it is. No. And that's the thing that frustrates me because the combat is so good and the game looks so beautiful that it just it it's at odds with itself and I it almost makes me just want to watch a playthrough of the game yeah. and not experience it myself, which is a massive shame. Mm. So uh, you won't be returning to uh, any of From Software's more hardcore titles. I don't know, Thomas. It's like, hardcore honestly... even the word for it, but because by the sounds of it, it just sounds like it's you know a flawed game. As well as being a difficult game, it is quite flawed. Yeah, and that that's my feeling, because as much as I played uh, Bloodborne and uh, Dark Souls, and I, I enjoyed what I played of both of them, even though Dark Souls was like, okay, this isn't for me, I don't like the way this controls, Bloodborne was, okay, this is just really hard, I really need to commit to playing this game if I want to get good at it. I just don't get that same sense from Sekiro for some reason. Mm-hmm. It feels more flawed to me. And I've heard... It might just be that I'm shit at stealth games. It may just be my expectation of what a stealth game is and other people's is totally yeah, off. Yeah, but you've played I'm through... Wrong. You've played through Metal Gear. I've played through every Metal Gear yeah. and I've never run into this. Yeah. Admittedly, this is a bit less forgiving than Metal Gear in the fact that if you're discovered, you are buggered, essentially. It's like Hitman in that respect. Like Once you've been seen doing this thing... Hmm. There's very little margin for error. But even the Hitman games I managed to play incomplete and like. So I, I don't know. It's just something that's not gelling with me. I'm going to chat to some folks I know at work playing it and maybe just say, okay, can you come around and yeah. show me what you would do in this situation? And then maybe it'll give me a better grasp. But at the moment, I just don't want to return to those to games. To me, it sounds like, like FromSoft would need to consider the audience more. And they can't just make the game for a relatively small number of people who you know, uh, more uh, familiar with this type of gameplay and more... Yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly. It just makes me a bit sad because I really enjoy it and I don't want the game to necessarily be easier. I just wish the onboarding of it was a bit more there because any, anything I've looked at online essentially assumes that I know how to play a Souls game. Yeah. And so there's no there's no good guide well, yeah, in the game again, to say, hey, this is how you They're making games for a small demographic yeah which is a shame because I, I i genuinely think this is one of the best looking games i've seen and the atmosphere and it's incredible yeah yeah i i just can't get into it at the moment which is a shame i think what one of the things they could have done maybe is introduce some sort of mode for beginners i don't think that's I know, a bad thing I, to do i don't even necessarily think it's like as much a, a thing of easy mode i think it's just the game doesn't onboard you well enough to say, hey, these are the things you're going to run into. So this it is goes how deeper than works. just difficulty, I think, yeah. Because I, I, like 
to be honest, if it was easy mode, I'd just slash my way through anything and then I wouldn't play the game as it was meant to. So I don't think that's my issue with it. I think it's just it doesn't onboard you properly into the world. Mm. And through it not doing that, I can practice combat as much as I want to. But when enemies hit you as hard as they do and I can't get to grips with the stealth mechanics, I don't really have a chance to play the game the Very way unfortunately, the people make it, it want to. It might should have been maybe a Matt Boyle library rental. If only they'd had it in the library, Tom. <laughs> Speaking of games from a library, though, I have been, and this is my half hour of playing games today, playing a little bit of the Persona 5 dancing game. Mm. Um... As you know, I played through all of Persona 5, all like 110 hours of it. You're a Persona fan. I do like the Persona games. I rented this game because I was like, okay, with the announcement of Persona 5 Royale, I was like, oh, do I really want to go back into that game? Yeah, can you explain get... what Persona 5 Royale is to me? Well, so, right. So from my understanding of that announcement trailer, there were two games announced. There was Persona 5 Royale and there was Persona 5 Scramble. Persona 5 Royale is an updated version of Persona 5. Uh, it's supposed to come out in October in Japan and then uh, 2020 in the rest of the world. Mm. And from what I've seen so far, because they're going to do a bigger announcement later in the month... There is a new Phantom Thief called Kasumi Yoshizawa. Is that a character, a Phantom Thief, or is that a... So yeah, Phantom Thief is essentially the main characters, the main characters of uh, like Joker and Anne and all the rest of the people that you'll have seen in the trailers. They are the Phantom Thieves. That's what your party is called. And so this uh, woman, Kasumi, is a new addition to that. So it'll be additional story additional like social things you can do with that character i assume but i was like ah oh, do i really want to play that game again because it doesn't sound as like much there's as... enough reason for you to play it again just an extra character no and that's my my feeling at the moment is well i really like the combat the combat in that game is amazing however it's a very long game and i do think as much as i enjoy the world the characters and the combat the story is a bit trite and so by the end of it, I was like, oh, did I really get the most out of this in the way that I did from Persona 4 or what I hear? Persona 3's storyline has got me really intrigued and I want to go play that. So I was like, okay, well, there's this and this Persona 5 Scramble, which is essentially uh, made by Omega Force, the people that make all of the Dynasty Warriors games and their various spin-offs like Dragon Quest Heroes and Hyrule Warriors and all the rest of these yeah. other Dynasty-style games. Sure, yeah. And so I was like, well, do I do I necessarily want to play Scramble? It's supposed to have some connection to the original story. I like the characters. Do, do you I like necessarily those sort of games though? That's I guess that's the big question. I mean, not particularly. I mean, they're fine. They're a bit mindless for me. But I was like, okay, well, if I get to spend more time with the characters in the story, maybe maybe that will be enough for me. And as you know, Tom Parry, I have two left feet. Uh, I have no rhythm whatsoever. And so I was like, well, seeing uh, the Persona 5 rhythm game in my local library, uh, which is called, and I will tell you in a minute because I need to Google the name of it, uh, Dancing Star Night. Is, is this for PS4 or Vita or what? Uh, this, I believe it's for PS4 and uh, Vita. Uh, there's a cross-play option as well. It's called Dancing in Starlight, sorry. Yeah. I, I translated the Japanese name. 
And I was like, right, okay, well, this is a pseudo-sequel to the original game, like a spin-off-y thing. Should I get this and have a go? Because I'm not particularly good at rhythm games. They're not... I As much as I like music and as much as I like playing rhythm games, I'm genuinely quite shit at them. Worth it for a rent. Them. And I was like, well, I'll give it a go. And i got to be honest with you, I'm really enjoying it. Oh. Some... So the the mechanic of it is like the unique hook of the rhythm game is uh, icons will come from the center of the screen and then you have like six little bits around the edge of the screen as the circle expands. The left side is up, left and down on the D-pad and then you have X, circle, triangle on the PlayStation controller. So essentially like the outside of the controller Mm. is the outside of the ring on the screen. And as these things expand, obviously you press the buttons and you go along. It has got, as well, things called scratches, which are essentially to get your... Oh, what the hell is the name of the thing in Rock Band and Guitar Hero where you hit the whammy bar? Like the, the, You know, the like the star power stuff. Isn't that what it's called? Well, star power, yeah, that's what it's called. Well, when the whammy bar is when you, you want to warble the note. but So, yeah, it... It's got this star power thing where you flick either the right stick or the left stick to scratch, and it does like a record like scratchy rip rip thing because a lot of the music is remixed. The stuff that like the main combat theme and like the more jazzy music that you perhaps Tom Parry would know from the trailers of Persona um, works really well and. They've got a steady beat, they're keeping a 4-4 time in, and they do some quite cool things, and they're quite fun to play. Yeah. That said, this game seems to use also a lot of tracks that are from when you're just wandering around a dungeon, and they're quite ambient, and so they Mm. don't necessarily make for the best rhythm experience. They don't sound like it, no. Uh, Ambient and rhythm don't really... And I mean, you can do like quite like ambient trancey stuff as Tetris Effect has proven, but like you've got to have a flowing rhythm with it. And yeah, yeah they yeah. generally don't so much. Maybe it's because I'm playing it on the easiest difficulty, but I find it very hard to keep the beat with something where. Okay. Do you know the issue when you first play Guitar Hero if you're used to playing a musical instrument? And you're actually thinking you should strum when the guitarist is strumming, and you're yeah. like, "Oh no, I have to unlearn this because I no, should be yes, strumming that's right, yeah. when Guitar Hero wants me to strum rather than when the music tells me to." Yeah, it's kind of that feeling. It's kind of that dissonance. What of... turns it into a game, I suppose? Yeah, but then yeah. just pick better songs or remix, like mm. keep remixing the tracks you've got. Yeah, and I admittedly they have now. They also released a Persona Three dancing game at the same time, and Persona Four has already had one called Dancing All Night last year. So Persona's been milked, hasn't it? A lot. I think so. And that, I mean, you know, these games take a long time to come out. I'm sure there's a lot of resources required to do all the animation and stuff, and they are very long games. Is this more down to when Sega took over um, Atlas? Potentially. I mean, saying that, though, Atlas did release those Persona games a lot in different territories under different things. Like, there's always been a second version Mm. of the Persona games. Then they released them all on the PSP. I suppose it's not that unusual, but uh, I was just reading an article recently saying that Sega were going to stay a bit more safe and uh, create less uh, brand new franchises and focus more on their existing franchises. 
Well, I mean, that's everyone, right? That's kind of yeah. why I'm starting to feel a bit disenfranchised with video gaming in general. Yeah. But I honestly, like the bits where this hits for me really work, and I it did make me realize, oh, actually, I kind of miss these characters. I did spend a lot of time with them. It's yeah, the five though, characters, yeah. Yeah, because there's like social aspects to this as well, the same way there is where you hang out with people in Persona 5. Mm. Between playing songs, you can go talk to people and then it progresses the story along. Mm. And I think it does quite a clever thing that instead of in the actual Persona games, these social things are locked generally behind... Uh, you spending time with the character and picking them for your party and building your trust with them and then you get to see a scene where you evolve the character a little mm. bit and you help them mm. through some of the things they're going through. Here, they tie it behind like accomplishments or challenges and so they're accumulative as well so it isn't just like get perfect on 10 songs because people like me aren't going to be able to get perfect on 10 songs. Yeah. It it says like oh hit three thousand perfect beats, ah. or mm. like accumulatively rather yeah, than like have actually, a streak of seven hundred. As, as in uh, trophies nowadays, uh, I noticed it was Soul Calibur as well. It's not just that, but most fighting games have do this over this many times, and then you'll get the achievement. So it's basically just play the game a lot, and eventually you'll get the uh, trophies. Yeah, and to be honest with you, like even in the time I've played with it, it doesn't really necessarily strike me as a long game per se, oh. which might be a bit of a shame for those who are actually going to go out and buy it. And you wouldn't expect it to be, though, really, I suppose, as a rhythm game. Take something like Parappa, for instance, isn't a long game. <laughs> no, <laughs> that that's true. an old I, game. <laughs> incidentally, I, I have also been playing some Parappa because it was in that PS4 Big in Japan sale for like three quid. And oh, so yes. I was playing Parappa Big yesterday. Big in Japan sale, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, to be honest with you, that was all I saw there. And I saw the Persona 5 dancing game. I was like, oh, I'm not going to buy it from that sale. And then lo and behold, they had it in the library today. As well as Dead or Alive 6. Yay! Oh, oh so great. I'm give yeah. that a go. Super. Yeah, the, you mentioned yeah. the big in Japan sale there. Uh, I, I noticed a couple of things in there that took my fancy. Picked up a couple of things. Uh, I wanted some Metal Slug there on uh, PS4, so I got that collection. I already own it on PS2, but it's handy to have it on PS4, so I picked that up. Still, that is one of the priciest sort of PS2 re-releases available, even at half price. It's still seven ninety nine. Yeah, like everything else, like Ape Escape and Parappa 2 are like 30 krona yeah. here, so I guess they're about £4 in the UK. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, so um, you do get a lot for the money. I mean, you get yeah. six... Yeah, six Metal Slug games, so not bad at all. So it's nice to have them on, on PS4. I also picked up the two Gungrave VR games in a bundle for £11. That's all right. Have you played them yet? No. I had a little uh, bit of a problem because uh, the space I've got my PlayStation in at the moment, there's not enough room to set up my VR, so it's a case of unplugging it all, taking it downstairs, getting the VR out of the box, yeah. connecting it all up. It's uh, Yeah, I'm going to do it, of course, but uh, I just haven't got around to it yet. I know it's, it's early days to ask this question, since you've only just purchased the 32X. Ah. But what have you had the more use out of so far, Tom Parry? The VR the P- or the 32X? Well, the VR I only had very little time with, unfortunately, before uh, I had to move away for a little bit. Uh, yeah. So, and the 32X, I've only got one game for it that I can play. Okay. So uh, I want to keep this a topic of conversation in the weeks going forward. Have you played the PSVR or the 32X more this yeah, well, year? It, just... Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I, I will have the 32X successful once I get it back. The the, the update yeah. on that is that uh, the the guy doing the modification has completed it now. And if you want to check out the modification, beautiful photos of my 32X, check out Consoles Unleashed on Facebook. And uh, what he does there is he puts up some pictures of the process. And, okay. Uh, I said to him, my 32X is famous. He said, yes, famous to my 28 followers. Ha! Huh. Uh, okay. But at first I was a little bit like, oh, he's taking photos of my 32X and put them on his Facebook. It's like people taking photos of your dog. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that belongs to me, I guess, and he's taking photos of it. I think it's all cool and everything, and it's a nice way to, for him to advertise his service. So I don't have a problem with yeah. it, but at first it was a little like, oh yeah, oh, fair enough. Of my stuff, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so that should be coming back to me, I think, uh, very soon. So you try and post it today, but I haven't had an update. Okay. Do you pick up anything else in that sale? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I have. Uh, let me just uh, think momentarily. But oh yes, a game called Goner. I uh, downloaded this uh, for three ninety nine. It was in some sale. There's a section of PlayStation Store that says games under fourteen pounds, and there's some real cheap ones in there as well. There's like okay. games under like three ninety nine, and then there's games under fourteen, which also includes some very cheap games. Uh, Gunner yeah. is a uh, well, it's a randomly generated uh, platform shooter. Yeah. Uh, it's got a really unique aesthetic to it, and also, it's all it contains no English, no traditional menus really. Uh, it's like set in its own world, so it's a little bit abstract at first. You don't really know what's okay. going on, and you're just like a little blob, and everything's sort of like everything feels very organic. It's very minimal in its visuals. Uh, everything's kind of blobby and organic, and. It's got some really nice animation as well. Uh, so you start off and you're sort of just chasing this whale and you know this little blob character. So you get used to jumping and such. And you can find you can jump off things and get higher and all this. And then right. eventually on the next screen, you get a, a weapon. And then you find you can shoot that weapon, but you only have so many bullets. And But as you play more and as you die more, you kind of upgrade you know, your, your weapons, okay. so you get, get more bullets. Basically circles, I think squares fire, circles like top up bullets because you get a little bag as well that contains more okay. bullets. Uh, so it's really like just like shooting the enemies, going from screen to screen, shooting all the enemies there, moving on to the next screen. But I think more yeah. so, it's a very simple concept, but it's the way it's done. You know, it's black backgrounds, minimalist kind of shaky, kind of abstract painterly graphics. Right. Um very contemporary-looking characters and enemies. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's quite a hard game to describe without actually looking at footage of it, but it's relatively straightforward. I was a little disappointed when I found out it was randomly generated, uh, ah. and it was one of those, you die and go back to the beginning. If you think about Downwell for a moment, you might get an idea of the visual aesthetic of the game. What was this game called? Uh, Goner. Goner. As in hmm. E-R, not A. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying it looks a bit like Downwell. Yeah, I thought it did. It's less pixelated and more painterly and blobby than Downwell is. But Wow, that's a really interesting aesthetic to it. It's very yeah, cheap I... as well. And it, it's, it's a bit of fun. It's pick-up-and-play fun. It's not too complicated either. It's just a little bit abstract in 
so sometimes when you die, you can visit death, and when you visit death, you can pick up more um, bullets and things. And I don't know the relevance of it yet. Also, okay. there's a shop bit, but everything there's no ink, there's no writing in it. So navigating the shops a little bit abstract as well. It's the kind of game you have huh. to sort of play and explore and kind of learn. But the key gameplay is very simple, and it does feel very um, satisfying to be jumping around and shooting. It's got a Real nice feel to the platforming. Oh, interesting. Mm. Okay. So, simple little game. Quite a lot of fun. Uh, think, let me think. There's a few other things, actually, that I've been playing just recently. Uh, I've been playing Pokemon Black. No, okay. no, sorry. Pokemon White version 2. Ah, okay. I never got any of the version 2s of those games. And Much it's like surpri- I didn't buy Ultra Sun and Moon. Yeah, either. I haven't yet. Because for me, all oh, that came out too soon after I completed Sun and, Sun and Moon, so I wasn't ready to play Sun and Moon again, basically. No, I agree. Uh, white version 2, so far, I don't recognise anything. It's, yeah. It is a true sequel in the fact that mm-hmm. people you met in the first game are now gym leaders in the gyms and things like that. Okay. And uh, the story cool. is different, which actually is it's really good you play a different character and it continues not how many months or so after the events of the yeah. original game but so far so good i just had the uh, urge to play another pokemon game i was like which ones have i got that i haven't actually played yet and yeah. i immediately thought of white 2 which i've had for quite a few years it's been a long time since i finished black so i've jumped into this uh first gym lead is pretty difficult actually Okay. Uh, I'd only really had trained up two Pokemon. I don't know if you ever had when you play Pokemon that uh, maybe you've collected six, but you don't. You know you're not really going to use yeah, all no, six I... of them. You're going to take yeah. them out. So I've just been concentrating on my starter, which I picked Oshawott, the uh, Otter yeah. Pokemon. The water and one. Yeah. Uh, I picked up... Uh, oh, what's that one Lucario evolves from? Relu or something? Relu? Yes. I've got him. And I thought, well, those two, are pretty, I'm probably going to stick with them. So I just concentrate yeah. and train them up to like level 13 or whatever. But only using two Pokemon to beat that first gym leader was really... A bit of a challenge, yeah. Tough. Yeah, and uh, Relu, Relu's got a, a problem where his most powerful move is counter, you see. Uh, he's only got quick attack and counter. And when you're using counter, you've got to kind of know that the Pokemon you're fighting is going to use an attacking move that turn. Because yeah, if he course. uses like a power up move like this gym leader does, then you then lose an attack. attack. Yeah. So it was sort of like gambling. It's sort of like, should I use counter this turn or should I just use quick attack? In the end, I just use quick attack all the time. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. trying to be clever with it, but I couldn't. Uh, okay. It was a different strategy than I've experienced in a Pokemon game for a while, and uh, I get the feeling that this version's going to shake things up quite a bit. So I'm actually yeah. quite looking forward to playing a slightly different Pokemon game. Of course, essentially it's the same thing, but I think they really made a conscious effort to make this play out a little differently. And uh, definitely, it's uh, the game. It's prequel, so predecessor. Yeah, yeah. It's predecessor. Okay, interesting. I I've always got I... room in my life for some Pokemon. No, I know, and that's the thing. I really keep meaning to go back to Let's Go Pikachu, but I just mm. haven't got around to it yet. Hmm. Well, you you know you've you've had uh, some other games to play, so. No, I mean I've been meaning to go back and play Resident Evil Two as well. I'm pretty close to the end of that bloody game now. I'm back in the police station after going through the underground stuff. I just need to sit down and commit to it. 
It's just unfortunately, my wife's pretty scared of horror games and she's been home a lot recently, so maybe I should get that done tonight while she's out. But I've actually... I, the other thing I picked up in the, the sale that I haven't had a chance to play yet is the new sweary game um, called oh, The Missing J.J. Macfield and the Island of Memories. Oh. If you've seen anything about this. Uh, no. So essentially, you're it's a it's a puzzle platformer, dare I say? Okay. And puzzle the goal action. of it, puzzle. Your favorite yes, genre. My my favorite genre that Tom Parry made up. No, I actually heard someone say that on a podcast the other day, and it sent a shiver down my spine. No, I. It's the whole point of it is you're an immortal character, mm-hmm. and so kind of. Against all of the logic you've learnt in every other video game ever made, you're actually trying to harm yourself to traverse what? the level. I like that. That sounds uh, sounds good. Yeah, it's nothing. I, I haven't managed to play it yet. I only picked it up yesterday when I looked at the sale because I ended up down a rabbit hole of playing Parappa because I love that game. How and... far did you get in Parappa, by the way, quickly? Oh, I just got up to uh, the the flea market. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't have a chance to play it that much. I, I literally got it in the rain and in the snow. Yeah. And then we had uh, guests come over, so I couldn't really play further than Last that. time I played it, I beat the chicken, but the chicken's hard. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I, I dislike the chicken. <laughs> I That game generally didn't age that well for me. I don't know. Like, I love the music in it. But at the same time, I feel... That the whole like rapping on the beat thing is a bit clunky. It isn't. You're meant to be able to freestyle a bit, but uh, yeah, yeah. But then any time the I do, I immediately that. drop to bad or awful, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Admittedly, I'm crap at rhythm games, but I can see the star, and I'm hitting everything. I'm hitting the things when I'm not freestyling enough to stay on good. There's a groove so, you have to get in with Parappa, even though it looks on screen like you're hitting stuff at the right time. Uh, Prapper has its own groove, I think, and if you're not yeah. hitting that, even though it feels right, it's not right. It's, yeah, yeah. It's and that's the thing. It's just like when I tried to play it way back when on the PS3 when I found a copy in a flea market, the latency was really screwing that up. And so I was like, okay, on a PS4, this should hopefully be all right. But I still, I'm. it's better than I remember it being. It was the same with Guitar Man. I'm hoping they re-release that somewhere where I can play it again. Mm. But it's just, it felt a bit clunky, which is a shame. Yeah. So this is, sorry, we went on a tangent there. Yeah, uh, we did. Game by uh, Swervy, was it? Yeah, Swervy. Oh. Uh, you know, Deadly Premonition chap and D4. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it, it looked pretty interesting from the trailer. It's like you're throwing yourself onto a whirling blade because then the whirling blade is carrying your body upwards for you. What was it called again? The Missing is the name of it. The Missing. Yeah, I it's like I think it's about 14 quid or something like that, but to be honest with you, I I like the way Swery kind of plays with convention and does some weird stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll give this a go. I didn't even know it had come out, let alone that it was on sale. So I look forward to playing it. It looked interesting from the trailer. I did mixed reviews, but I think it looked pretty interesting and I like the idea of this hey you need to throw yourself into danger rather than trying to avoid it mechanic. Maybe it won't actually be that fun to play, but it's the first time I've heard anyone doing something like that. 
Yeah, and it just looks like an interesting game. And right now, after what you were saying before, you, I guess you're on the lookout for things that look a bit more, more different. Absolutely, and that was the thing that made me buy it. Yeah. I also seen that um, Suda Fifty One's silver case is in that sale as well, and I've been ah, tempted yeah. by that for a long time. Well, but that's very cheap, I think, in the sale. It's like uh, it was about eight quid or something like that when I saw it. But I'm, I don't know. I like visual novels, but I don't know if I can commit to one. I saw one the other day that then I read a review and I was like, oh, actually, maybe that's not that good. Uh, called uh, The World is Ended, or Our oh, World I, is Ended. Yeah, I saw that. I wonder if it had anything to do with that. Uh, the World Ends with You. No, it doesn't. Game. That was literally why I... just DS game, yeah. I saw it, and I was like, oh, wow, is this a spin-off of that? And the the artwork and the cover of it actually reminds me of Summer Wars, if you remember that anime yeah. uh, motion picture, the OVA yes, we saw. And so I was like, oh, this is interesting. But then I, I looked at it, and it's like a 40-hour visual novel. The only reason I was actually tempted to pick it up was that it's got full Japanese voiceover. And so I was like, okay, well, at least this will be a way for me to practice my Japanese. But I've heard the story is very rote and very reminiscent of like uh, NIS games, like that Time and Eternity that we, you once witnessed me trying to play. And so I was like, ah, no, I'm okay. Have you heard about this one called the Red Strings Club for the Switch? No, I haven't. It's another visual novel type game where you're a bartender, yeah. And it's uh, published by Devolver Digital. It's got some edgy stuff in it, you know, uh, violence, nudity, language, and and the such. Uh, it's got a pixel art style. Oh yeah. yes, I have seen this. Yeah, gameplay wise, it looked interesting, and it looked like it had something to say. I think. Um, I wasn't sure if it's the kind of game I'd enjoy, but it it still looked intriguing to me. And I wondered maybe if that's something that might interest you, especially with how you're feeling about modern gaming at the minute. Yeah, potentially. I'll give it a look. I didn't know this was out yet, actually. It caught my eye when they announced it. Mm. It's, it's, I think it's another Devolver sort of let's be edgy, publish an edgy game kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's cyberpunk type stuff. I see you like doing like little mini games in between and talking to people and yeah. Hmm. Might be of interest. Yeah, I'll give it a look. I played a bit of Soul Calibur for the first time in yeah? ages. How was that? Uh, well, it was good. I wanted to actually try out some of these uh, download characters that I got on the season pass. So I was playing through as 2B, and I've played against 2B online before. And I can confirm if you're a button basher, you're going to be right at home with this character. <laughs> Yay! Because, really, you can do some amazing stuff. Uh, you've got a lot of range there. You're very fast. Uh, and I've heard people say that she's a bit overpowered. Overpowered. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I can see that, but she's a heck of a lot of fun to play as. And, okay. Uh, really had a great time playing through the arcade mode as 2B. They've also got Amy in there as well, who was from Soul Calibur 4, if I remember correctly. Amy okay. being uh, like a female Raphael type character. Oh, yes, I do remember. I used to do quite well as Amy um, back when I used to play a lot of that game. So, yeah, it was fun to play a bit of Soul Calibur again. And I know there's a lot more to it than I've been getting out of it because I haven't really tried the story mode. I have played them a little bit, but. There's a, there's a story mode where you create your own character and you go in a little quest and there's little bits of dialogue and there's quite a lot of fights. And then there's like a, 
a character story mode, which is a little bit like the one in Dead or Alive, where you start off as one character, you do a section, then you, then you move to another character and do another section. Yeah. But all these modes, the fighting is really broken up by a lot of cutscenes, and which are the ones I really don't like. Okay. <laughs> you know, with lots of text and yeah. uh, tapping of X. So. Okay. No, I I should put a bit more into those modes, but I really I'm really there for the fighting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same with Blaz Blue uh, Cross Tag Battle, which I played the other day. Yeah. And uh, did a little video of it over on Blast Process YouTube channel, and that's a great game. In fact, it shares a lot in common with Dragon Ball Fighter Z. It's like they're both from the same mold. I know they're both Arc System works, but there's a lot of things that have been carried over from that game into Fighter Z. Yes, uh, it's very easy to play if you're after a 2D fighter that is incredibly straightforward and doesn't uh, rely on you needing to pull off lots of complex button commands. It's, then that's it's the boy tag, for you. Yeah, it's a tag fighter like Mob versus Capcom or Fighter Z, you know. Um, and there's actually, I went through the tutorial and I was like, is that all there is to it? Is that how simple it actually is? You know, yeah. and it's like, wow, that's kind of refreshing. So if you want that kind of fighting game, then that's yeah. another option that's out there. And it's again, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. You've got Persona characters, you've got Blast Blue characters, of course. And you've also yeah. got Ones from an anime called RWBY, I think. Okay. I'm not familiar with the anime. I know very little about it. I know it wasn't... It's not Japanese, but it's very much anime. Uh, it's a Western-created um, series. Um, okay. But those characters in there as well. I feel like it's missing Guilty Gear characters. I would have liked to seen a few of them in there, but uh, no, they're not. It's it's a bit of a shame that they're not, but yeah. oh well, that's how it goes. Yeah. That's how it is. Uh, I've also been playing. I picked up Torok on the Xbox Torok Dinosaur Hunter for three ninety nine Xbox One. Okay. Uh, I've got it on Steam, uh, but I was always frustrated how, uh, at the time at least, I couldn't work out to play it with my uh, Steam controller. And also, I think when I've tried it with like other controllers, it's not mapped very well. But playing on Xbox was perfect. And it was so cheap, I thought, well, I'll pick that up. Yeah. Uh, that game, you know, visually, it still looks it looks sharp. It looks a lot sharper than I remember on <laughs> PS. Yeah. Uh, no, no, sorry, N64. Um, but, uh, yeah, it looks pretty much like the PC version, Mac version. But it plays, it feels better uh, with the Xbox controller. And uh, I thought something about Torok is the way it sort of wobbles as you walk. Yeah. I not play many other first-person shooters that have that kind of... <laughs> Wobble. I can't think uh, how to describe it. No, I know what you mean. It like it feels you, like you're moving. You get that sense of momentum when you well, actually yeah, walk. Absolutely, and uh, you know, Torok's quite unique like that. And uh, do you know why though? Don't you? It's because no. it probably gives people motion sickness. Yeah, I, I did wonder that, but a lot of games give me motion sickness, but Torok isn't one of them. Uh, Duke Nukem doesn't have a wobbly uh, running. Uh, no, that's thing, true. That oh, still man. makes me feel. Don't sick. talk to me about Duke Nukem like that. Is the worst I've ever felt playing a video game. Yeah, I had it a bit with Time Splitters one as well. We've talked about this before, but yeah, Torok, yeah. I'm I'm fine with. Um, in terms of the other things I've picked up, I have picked up uh, Gundam Versus. Yeah, how is it? 
I don't know yet because I don't only ordered oh, it. I almost it, picked it up in the library today. Um, it was dirt cheap. Well, I say dirt cheap. It's cheaper than I expected it to be. It was under £20, £17 delivered, £17.95. Yeah. So um, looking forward to giving that a go. I read a review on Polygon saying it's even if you don't really like Gundam, it's uh, a good, fun game, well-made, yeah. fun game. So I thought, well, when I first saw it, I thought it was more of a traditional fighter. But uh, when I remember seeing the trailers when it was released, obviously it's more of an arena-based, virtual-on type yes. game. Um, but I'm willing to give it a go. And I thought that at that price, because I'd seen it on the PlayStation Store sale for £15 for download. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I could get it physically for a couple of quid more. So I thought, oh, I'll just get a physical copy. Have you been tempted by any of the downloadable content that's in that sale? Uh, what, what have we got? Gone. Uh, tons and tons of Gundams. Oh, okay. Well, I think I'll save that until I play the game a bit. If the sale's still on, um, when I get the game and I've played it a bit, I might. I think it's on until the sixteenth, so maybe you'll be all right. I think I should be. Yeah, oh, definitely for sure. Uh, yeah. To get it soon. So, uh, yeah, I, I very much look forward to that. Playing. That. Fair enough. Yeah, I, other than that, the only thing I've bought is some Game Boy Advance games. Someone was selling some stuff locally, and it was like a lot. There was nothing really that exciting in it. If you looked at it, it was like it was ten Game Boy Advance games, uh, like a Madagascar game and some other bits. But it did have a copy of um, Yoshi's Universal Gravitation. Oh, boxed. I've always been curious about that one. Me too. And then it also had a Frogger for the Game Boy Color, which is one of the last Game Boy Color games I need. And I was like, oh, well, I'll pick these two up boxed because that's cheaper than me buying a cartridge of Frogger anyways. So oh, great stuff. I will give some Yoshi a go and let you know how it is. I'm curious to see if it is a game I'll be able to play in an SP or if, uh, like uh, Kirby's Tilt and Tumble, I will have to play it in a traditional Game Boy Advance. Because if it is a game that is based on a gyro sensor, am I going to be able to play with the cartridge upside down? Well, it works with uh, WarioWare Twisted. Okay. When Twisted came out, the SP was the main Game Boy, and they even put it on the cover of the box, the SP. They show the game in an SP as opposed to a regular Game Boy. I know it works with that one, at least. Okay, I'll give it a go, and I'll let you know. So something we haven't touched on yet is the Sonic trailer. I wanted to get. Oh boy! Well, I know you sent me a message about it the other day, but we haven't talked about it. So, uh, how? What do, do you we think need of that? to though? I mean, for me, I just looked at him as like, oh, but this. I don't know if this is what I necessarily wanted from a Sonic movie. I... No, I don't think it's what a lot of people wanted, but it's probably what we should have expected to get. Yeah. It it it's a light family comedy type film uh, made for kids I, I, I would imagine as as you know a film about Sonic the Hedgehog probably should be uh, but it's very typical of the kind of films probably which you expect yeah uh, that are made for that that audience it doesn't it doesn't at least look like it's got any sort of hidden depth to it yet and I, I, I doubt it will do but no. actually f- from the trailer it looks a lot like Howard the Duck to me and yes. there's certain elements of it like I feel like Sonic sort of propelled into our world to save it in the same mm-hmm. way Howard was. It's not necessarily he wanted to be there. He just ends yeah. up there somehow. I don't know if it's a similar sort of way that Howard ends up on, on Earth. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, You know, he's wisecracking. So is Howard the Duck. There's a scene in the trailer also where the main character is hiding him in a bag. Yeah. Which is what happens in... Um, 
Howard the Duck as well when uh, yeah Beverly takes Howard to meet her friend Filzy, who's a scientist, yeah. and she's dragging him in a bag. You know, because no one can see. Yeah, him. yeah, he's, I remember. I, f- I remember that movie quite well after watching it with you. Yes. Yeah. So, and also Howard's kind of like an odd-looking human-esque duck person, and Sonic's an odd hedgehog person. Now. Yes. Rather than being a cartoonish, uh, kind of cute character. Yeah, and so I was drawing me, a lot of parallels. I don't know if anyone else has, but to me, that's what it. No, like. you are the first person I've heard make this argument. For me, it was more of a. As I tweeted, a comparison to the 1993 Super Mario movie. Because mm. it feels like they've gone, okay, cool, what are the basic concepts of this? You have yeah. Robotnik is the villain, you have Sonic is the protagonist. Okay, let's throw these into a fish-out-of-water story in a world and then try and make something work around but this. But it's the opposite way. Howard's, Howard's in the human world where the Mario Brothers went to the... Uh... Mushroom the Mushroom Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, interesting bit in the trailer, actually, when you see uh, Jim Carrey in the more robot, traditional robotic look. Yeah. He the background are giant, realistic-looking mushrooms. Did you see that? Yeah. So that I think is implying that's what Sonic's world looks like. Everything's like yes. hyper-realistic, but they're still giant mushrooms. They just happen to be hyper-realistic now. Yeah, and that's the weird thing for me, is that looking at that whole trailer. It just, I don't know, man. It just, it felt like there's a just a very baseline level of humor was the thing that kind of upset me is that I, like, that the humor didn't even land. Like, if it had, I wouldn't have been too bad. It's like, he's in the gym bag and he says something like, oh, it smells like uh, some deodorant sandwiches. And, and ham sandwiches. I'm like, that's not even funny, though. Like, that's, that's... But then it's more of the, the gag about it being, it's not my kid, it's a kid, but it's not my kid. And they thought, well, that's kind of funny, but it's kind of dark as well. Really dark. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah it, I don't know. It just seems a bit missteppy for but me. It was obvious when looking at the, the writers and what they've done before, it wasn't yeah. going to be highbrow. But at the same time, <laughs> like that Detective Pikachu movie seems like it's going for the same audience and it seems to be a lot doing a lot better job. Yeah, it's like, in how the characters look and translate from their video game versions. No, but and just also even in terms of yeah, yeah, in terms of story and humor as well. Yeah, there are literally like comparis- comparable moments from that Detective Pikachu trailer to the Sonic trailer, like the bit where the guy sees him for the first time and freaks out. Yeah, and it's just like the Detective Pikachu, like the delivery from Ryan Reynolds and like what he says genuinely made me laugh. It looks like a better production, obviously. I don't know if there'll be some sort of guilty pleasure to uh, the Sonic movie. Potentially, with Jim Carrey as well, he usually puts in a good turn, so it could be entertaining. It's not the Sonic film I would have wanted, but... uh... I I am the biggest apologist for Jim Carrey. Even when Jim Carrey doesn't deliver a stellar performance, I still think he's pretty good. Yeah, That trailer didn't... Like the whole him being like weirdly robotic for a second, and then him going nobody no, cares. No, no, that like, was odd. I I wasn't sure about that either yeah. myself. This could, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's got the military in it, which you know reminds everyone of Transformers. Or yeah, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I don't but know. Man. There you go. Uh, Sonic's being redesigned as well. That's the other big news after the yeah, that... reaction to the trailer. I mean, that's to be expected, though. That's the wonders of that we can't actually change things that matter. 
in this world, but then as soon as a, a, a corporation characters. gets spooked out about their fan base not liking something, it's the easiest thing in the world to change. Well, you think about the time frame, they can't make big changes. Um, I think physically, sorry, it's going to be the same. I think they're going to change the face a bit. But then they've yeah. got to reanimate that face. It seems yeah. to be quite a lot of work if they're, you know, they must be fairly into... It's probably in post-production now, and they're going to fix it all. It's like... Well, I mean, you and I both know how long it takes to render something like that. And so rendering those scenes at that level of detail, it, can't, it must take a lot of time. They must and have they're still going to release already. it in November. I doubt it. I think it'll be delayed. It's got to be. I mean, they don't want to do a rush job, or it's going to look even worse. <laughs> no. I, to be honest with you, I think based on what you've already said about Sega trying to play it more safe... And them doing things like taking the Mega Drive Mini back in house. That's going to be good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe Sega of Japan has now seen this and gone, no, this this doesn't fly. It's funny how it got this far, though. It's, yeah. That's how it always goes, man. I mean, to be honest with you, from the sounds of things, the Mega Drive Mini that the company that was already making them, the ones that were making, you know, the ones you could actually plug the cartridges yes, into for uh, at games time. were making them. Yeah. The at games one was sent out for review, like Polygon and Kotaku and GameSpot had reviews up of the previous one and oh, Sega yeah. yanked the plug at the last minute. So I don't think they're against doing that. No, no. Well, Let's there we see. go. Yeah, as you say, it's it's the world we live in now. They can make these like changes uh, in the digital age. So, I mean, it it does necessarily pan out well for the studios having to do it because I imagine no, there'll be a lot of work for them now but I mean to be honest with you I don't think that's the biggest problem with that movie and that's my bigger concern yeah, I don't yeah. really care we'll just have to wait and see I, I'm curious but I'm not excited but who knows yeah yep anything oh, well, else I, I've got I've got to run actually unfortunately I'm going to have to say uh, toodaloo Okie dokie, Thomas. That's well, fine. To, we can wrap it up here. Just the hour mark, I think. Almost, yeah. So let's just bring it on home, Tom Parry. If you've enjoyed this podcast, there's a variety of places you can reach out to us and listen to more of them. If you fancy treating your ears of some Tom Parry and Matthew Boyle, you can do so on blastprocess.com, tomamatattack.com, forward slash podcast, and in iTunes and Stitcher. While you're in iTunes, why not give us a cheeky rate and subscribe and let us know you're listening. If you want to reach out to us personally about something, your feelings on Sonic being compared to Howard the Duck, for example, you can do so on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Tom and Matt Attack or on Twitter at TMA Cast. But if you really want to get to us personally, you can do so for me at Game Boyle and Tom at Tom Parry 11. Uh, anything coming up for you, Tom, in the next week on Blast Process? Or... Yes, uh, hopefully we'll get some coverage of Play Expo Manchester which uh, we've still got our fingers crossed we're going to tomorrow. We were hoping for press passes, but we haven't received them yet. So at the 11th hour, we're going to pick up tickets, uh, I think, and uh, go anyway. Okie dokie. But uh, I- I'm looking forward to it. Regardless of free ticket and I, I still want to go. Yeah, um, there's a lot of our listeners or people who at one point listened going to be on the ground to play Manchester tomorrow. So I tweet out to Tom Parry that you're there and I'm sure by the time people listen to this, maybe they've already met you in the flesh. Ooh. Oh, wow. That, that would be uh, that would be interesting. Yes. It would. Um, yeah, from me, I will hopefully have something up uh, for May forward uh, because we are in the month of May now. 
I'm just waiting on one or two little pieces of information of how I can okay. make one I'm, of the I'm excited better. and intrigued, far more so than for the Sonic movie. So uh, you got me there. Well, man. high praise, Tom Parry, but I mean, that is, <laughs> sounds like that's actually a very low bar to jump over. But Sorry again, to compare you, Game Boy to a Sonic movie. Uh... I mean, you do like Howard the Duck, though, so that's the thing that's throwing I, me in this. I is that high like praise Howard. or is that a low bar? Anyways, Which is now cool. available on Blu-ray in the UK for the first time. I know, I saw your post. You're very <laughs> excited. Okay, cool. Um, well, thank you very much, Tom Parry, as always, for thank you, Matthew. letting me natter at you. And it's a pleasure ah, to be nattered you. back at. Yes. Okay. I love cool a good uh, natter attack. It is always good. Until next week, though, everybody, it's time to say those immortal words of Game On. Game On. <laughs> <laughs>